Welcome to Ignite Your Confidence for women in leadership who want to speak up and stand out. I'm your host, Karen Laus. Here you'll get all of the tips and tools that you need to stand out with unshakable confidence. Let's jump in to today's episode. I'm so thrilled to be having this conversation because what we just met a few months ago and I feel like I know you already. So I want to have you tell my audience about you and get to know all of your goodness and expertise. So I'll turn it over to you to say hello. Ah, Thank you, Karen. I know it feels like I've known you forever. So yeah, I really appreciate being in the space and getting to have the conversation again, just to talk to you. So, okay. So hi, everybody. So my name is Hollis Citron and who am I? So um, (laughs) a big question, big question. So I guess the short version of it, as much as I'll say right now, before we dive in is um, as far as jobs go, I've been an art teacher for 30 years um, in many different kinds of settings, both traditional and non-traditional. So non-traditional meaning homeless shelters, artists and residencies, professional developments, my own businesses, to more traditional being public, private, and charter schools. Um, I'm from Philadelphia. I've lived on the West Coast. I'm back on the East Coast. I've been here and we've lived in New York and now we're in New Jersey for almost 20 years. And about three years ago, I kind of had my FU-51s in realizing that I was more than halfway there. And I was like, you know what? talking to my husband, of course, about this. I'm like, I need to, I've predominantly worked in underserved communities. I'm like, love who I'm working with, love the mission of everything that I want to do, but I need to change. Like, cause my health is, and especially when my, she was 15 at the time, she looked at me and said, who are you mad at? Wow. Are you mad at me? Are you mad at your job? Are you like, who are you mad at? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not showing up for them. I'm not showing up for me, most importantly, to be like the kind and higher vibe person that I want to be. I'm not showing up for my husband and, and I'm not showing up for the people that I really want to be connect with. So anyway, so I started my, my companies, I am creative um, and then express yourself publishing. And my mission is just all about expanding the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empowering people to own their voices and talents. I've been saying this for 30 years. In all of the spaces that I've taught and I've realized, you know, you realize those culminations. Yeah. That's all leading to this point. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, well, I want to talk about, well, first of all, tell us about the FU's 51, just to make sure that everybody's clear (laughs) that that's not code for someone who may not get it. So (laughs) I want to phone in on that. Okay. So on what should I say the whole thing? Can I curse? No, you, you, no, no I'd rather not have you curse. <laughs> yeah. So just tell us about what that means to you and yeah. a little bit like dive a little bit deeper into that, because I think that there's some really good juicy stuff in there. Yeah. Thank you. So basically, you know, you reach 50 and it's kind of like, unless you're living to a hundred, which could happen, it's, you realize there's a, a halfway point. Maybe the halfway point might have been 40, but it's like at 50, you're kind of like, okay, like enough of this, mm-hmm. enough of every day stressing about worrying about this. Am I good enough? Like, did I do a good enough job? Did I, you know, this, that, uh, just everything. And I don't feel good <laughs> right now. I just, I don't feel, I don't feel healthy. I don't feel my stress levels are way too high. And um, I just got to a point where I was like, like I said, more than halfway there. And I want to use the time 
in a way that makes me feel good. Not saying that every day is a party and every day is, but I want to use it in a way where it's going more towards where I, what my goals are, what my purpose is. Yeah. That's so great. Was there a moment that you could include us in when you had this kind of, was there a turning point where you said, this is it, or was it a multiple events that current state or not current, but, you know, kind of state. I think it was, I mean, like I said, my daughter saying that to me was a big eye opener. Um, That was like a big, like, huh? Yeah. Um, Going to work every day. um, There were days that were great. And there were days that I was just kind of like, why am I comparing myself to people all the time that behaviorally there's so many discipline issues and Mm -hmm. so much is about behavior. It's like, am I not good enough? Like, Mm-hmm. Why are a fight just broke out, you know, again in the room? Well, there's lots of reasons why that could happen. There were things that happened before they entered the room. There was, there's, there's just so many things, a domino effect that go into, go into things. But then I'd be like, am I not good enough? Am I, do I not have enough control over them? Do they not respect me? Do they not? So mm-hmm. even after doing this for all these years, I was just to a point where I'm like, I am so sick of questioning myself. Uh huh. And even though I've heard like so many positive things and so I was like, I'm just sick. Like it's hurting me physically because I'm holding on to it with every fiber of my being and it's affecting my health. Yeah. And holding on to specifically, just to be clear, what were you holding on to the negative thoughts, the negative thoughts? And am I good enough? Yeah. Why do you think that is? I mean, this is, this is such an epidemic. Right. I mean, the other thing that I find fascinating is that you would, you would think by the time we're 40 and 50, that we wouldn't care anymore. Like what, what does it need to take? And, and then on the flip side, 20 something people that I'm also in contact with that I talk with, I I'm amazed. I kind of thought, oh, well, at least their generation then will not have this problem. And yet it's there too. And I know this is a big issue, but let's, let's talk about you. If you're willing, what do you think it is for you that caused that doubt to happen? Was there anything in particular? I think it's a, it's a deep issue. I think a lot of things go back to, you know, I hate to be like, Oh, how we were raised and da, da, da. But these words, the, the words that do get put into our heads, um, we absorb them. And even if we have, I had very, I have had very loving parents, very supportive parents. Again, not always a party all the time, but they're very good people that have always supported me and everything. There's sarcasm in things. There were things that I didn't necessarily like um, and some things that were, and it's, you know, as we get older, we kind of make a point not to do that to our children, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to do that because I really didn't like that. (laughs) Um, but I don't know. It's like, we, we really do form these things really young. Yeah. These ideas. I was very shy. I was very quiet, but was always willing to, I was always standing up for the underdog Mm. when Mm -hmm. I was like, cause I have a handicapped brother. Uh, okay, so okay. I was always like, my mom worked for, um, in Philly in underserved populations. So it's kind of like, I was always kind of around like 
stand up for the underdog. Right. Um, and for me, I just kind of, I don't know, I just always kind of question myself in that shy, well, am I good enough? Do I want to, you know, do, will people hear me? Um, I was always really tiny. Um, you know, I would get, I would blush and get really flushed. So that kind of wanted me to hide even more. But then it kind of got to a point like now, where I am now in life, it really is like you said, I'm so much more in a space. There's less of that voice in my head that's mm-hmm. saying you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quieter because yeah. it's gotten to a point that I'm really honed in on what my purpose is Ooh. and what I'm passionate about that. I'm like, you know what? It's not about me, Hollis. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than me. It, it's, it's a purpose to be able to reach other people, to empower them. Yes. Well, and yeah, that feels good. You and I are so aligned on that. And for me too, when I quit my job, I knew that I wanted to work with women to help them overcome self-doubt, but it wasn't until about a year after the official quitting of my job and getting into the weeds of my business and trying to figure out, you know, what is, what is my, why, what is the purpose? And to get to a point where I feel like I want to reach 10 million women to overcome self-doubt and speak with confidence. And then that's such an incredible driver in a way, even more than I would have thought. And isn't it great how, when we focus on these things, the other stuff just kind of washes away. And when you feel, I mean, I spent so much of my career worried about what other people thought and was I good enough? Oh, did that sound good? Oh, did that? Oh, did they not like me? The, oh, is this idea popular? Oh, is it unpopular? Or did I rock the boat? I mean, all of these voices in my head and I've come to learn even more. I mean, frankly, being involved with clubhouse this past year, pretty obsessively has taught me that it was very sobering. On one hand, it was very empowering for me personally to have a voice there and really show my expertise. On the other hand, the thousands of women that are still doubting themselves is, is astonishing to me. And it's, it's easy when you can sit in your own world I'll speak for myself in my own little world and think, oh, we're, we're making so much, so many strides. And I'd still say we are, and yet there's so much more work to be done, which then fuels me to be even more passionate about it. And I'd love to hear more about your purpose and what fuels you specifically just to keep you going every day. I want to give people a voice. I mean, I want to like, we have like similar goals in that way. And I love what you said about there being a goal, because I totally agree that it's, it's kind of like, if you don't have that kind of structure in a sense of what you're aiming for, then there's a lot of kind of like, what am I doing when there's a time for me where I'm like, what am I doing? And that's kind of like the brainstorming and the brain dump session um, where I don't always have to know because that's where kind of like new ideas come in, drop in. But there is that idea of the bigger goal of, like you said, you want to reach a million women. I want to, I don't have a number on it, but I want to originally, actually, when I left my job, I was like, I am going to build a creativity center where underserved youth can come to this space and be immersed in creative outlets in whatever that looks like. It's not just visual arts. It's, um, it's writing, it's yoga, it's music, it's cooking, it's, it's all these different forms, it's filmmaking, it's 
all of these spaces where they can just realize that this is why I have my podcast. How do you define what creativity is? It's what does that mean to you? It's that magical spark. It's the courage. I want to create a space where people, and it's now the idea for the larger goal has expanded beyond that. It's really, I mean, it's needed for everybody, but that was my original population um, to be able, because people, I want people to feel safe. Uh, I you want and I people, are so aligned. Yes. Yeah, say more about that. I want people to feel, I mean, that's always what the classroom or any setting that I've ever had is about. Even now going into the publishing house and I am creative doing one-on-ones, doing group sessions, being safe is obviously what we know is what's important because when people feel safe, they can then trust, they can then be expressive, they can then connect to themselves, they can connect to others, and they're more open to being aware and doing a deeper dive into themselves. If people don't feel safe, then they're not going to say anything or do anything. They're going to put walls up. They're going to put boundaries up. Yeah. It's kind of that simple. It, it is so simple. And yet it's amazing how many people, and I will say for myself, just living in my own prison, pr- prison of not speaking up and being so worried about what everybody thought. I mean, my dad was pretty controlling and my mom was pretty submissive in the home. She was a a rock star in the community and she did a lot of leadership things and that, but it's the home where I really realized, oh, okay, you have to ask for permission from a man to do something and you don't speak up because if you do, you might get the silent treatment or you might be judged. And it's, it's, it's really, I mean, I hate to say it's fascinating, but I, I am fascinated by the way that we we are shaped through our upbringing and how, and then deciding, obviously we can't control what we, what happened to us as kids, but we can control what we're going to choose to do with that as an adult. And I kind of, it's not the same story, but that moment for me, when I realized this is, this is so ridiculous. I was, I don't know what it was. I was probably in my mid forties. I don't even know the exact age that I was, but I will never forget sitting in a leadership meeting, doing something because my boss mentioned that we should do it. And I took it on. And then I never really felt like it was the right thing to do, or not that it was a wrong thing, but it was more of, this doesn't seem right. And there I was in this meeting and everybody looking at me. And I, even though they were my peers, I, I could not really speak well. And I thought, what is wrong? And she had to swoop in and say, Hey, why don't we table this? And she said it in the nice way, but nicest way, but she pulled me aside after that. And she said, this is another example where you didn't trust your gut. You knew that this probably didn't feel right. So why did you say something? And she said, you could have said something like, Hey, just like I, you know, she didn't, she's very, like, she doesn't shove things in people's faces. But the point that I heard was, if I, I could have just said, Hey, you know what? I don't even remember. We were talking about this months ago. I'm not sure why we're doing it. Let's table it. And I remember having this aha moment of, oh, I could have done that. I was so fixated to your point, not feeling safe. Like I'm so fixated on, I have to do this the right way that if I do it, if I say something different, then I'm going to not be accepted. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really, does somebody feel like they're going to be rejected or not is right. you know what, 
<laughs> to me, it's all about that. Like, I don't think people would naturally respond to that. Cause when I've asked that question, like in polls, are you afraid of being rejected? People don't usually say that, but when you, when you peel back the layers, it's like, it's really what it's it all, is, right? It's all about that. It's all about, yeah. I just like, as you're first, I want to kind of bring to the point where you said when she was speaking, what you heard her say. And I think that's so much because we have our filters and we all have our own perspectives. We all have our own versions of the story. It's like, you know, a crime scene. You ask two people and they have two different versions because they heard and saw two different things. It's like we filter out certain things and bring our own biases and and all that into it. So I just think that's a really important point to what you said. And I just got a vision, too, of when you were saying about wanting to do the right thing, like when, when I would be observed. So, you know, um, first observation, we would know when they were going to come in. And the second, we wouldn't know when they were going to come in. So they would just come into the class at any point. They might give you like a window to say it's going to be on this day, but you never know which class you're just like, oh my God, I hope, I hope it's not after lunch. I hope it's not. Oh my God. But then I started to get to a point of, I don't care. It's just, you know, it is what it is. I can't control every situation. I, I can't control 25 children in my class, I can set up a space where I have our structure, our routines and what we do. And I have my behavioral things that I can do in place, but I I can't control every situation. So I did get to a point to where, you know, we'd have the meeting of how did you do? And I actually would just go in, I'd say, tell me what I need to fix. (laughs) Like, just tell me, I I don't want to hear all the points of everything that I did wrong. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, just tell me what to fix and then we can move on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and one of my bosses was like, she just started laughing. She said, I do have positive things to say. <laughs> Isn't it funny though? We're so wired to look for the things that we did air quotes wrong. <laughs> Let's just skip it because I'm already stressed about it. I've been thinking about how I screwed up for all this time. And what I could have done better. So let's just move on and call it a day. Oh, we are so hard on ourselves. <laughs> so well, I want to hear how creativity, I mean, obviously that's, that's your, your whole thing. And how has that played a role in your life beyond the obvious? Anything you would be willing to share about that or how it's made a difference for you? It's, I mean, it's expression. I mean, I define creativity is expression. So expression coming in lots of different ways and how I present myself visually and how I speak my truth and express my ideas and how I, I, I did go to art school and I do have visual art forms that I practice. So when I'm actually engaged in my visual arts, which now is actually more collage. And, um, I went to school, uh, undergrad for clay uh, I studied ceramics for three years and I have my master's in art education and all that kind of stuff. But I, um, Clay and I have kind of had a love hate relationship <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we've kind of had a love hate relationship, but when I wasn't in an expressive way within my, a visual medium of whatever that was, I found that I wasn't in the best place because I wasn't all of these ideas. We're creators, you know, we're meant to express. So all these ideas are kind of going on all the time and they weren't being justified. 
Mm. Not meaning that everybody has to see them. It's just, it could be just for me. So I wasn't letting them out. I was repressing it. So I found that when I'm repressing it, I don't feel good. Um, and I'm crankier. I'm more disconnected. I don't relate well as well to others, especially the people closer to me. I can put on a mask and for the people that don't know me, but the people that I'm closer with, I can be a little moodier with. Right. <laughs> of course. Of of course. <laughs> <laughs> we, yes. The familiarity piece. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just what we do. It's again, yeah. being in a safe space, but yeah, I mean, I found for me that creativity has really been in, in understanding like these different aspects of it, that various circumstances that have presented along life, I've learned lessons and I've learned how to use my voice more in a way that's more empowering to, um, show up visually and be able to say, you know what, I actually like, I like my hair this way, or I actually care that I want to have it this way, or that I want to dress in a certain way, because that is how I feel. And it expresses, you know, more emotion and, and, and matching who I am on the outside to the inside. That's what I'm working on is matching the outer. Yes to the inside because I haven't gotten to that point and my 18 year old is on it <laughs> to help me with that. <laughs> I'm like, Skylar, how does she know? So, so tell me, what does she do to keep you accountable to that? She's going to go shopping with me and she's kind of very mean. So in some ways, <laughs> I love her. Like she, she's, <laughs> I think she was my mom in another life, but yeah. <laughs> She'll grab something and she'll hold it up and she'll say, try this on. I'm like, I don't like it. She's like, try it on. I'm like, okay. <laughs> She's like, the whole point is to go outside of what you're normally doing, right? Like you're sick yes. of what you're doing. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then when she does my makeup, which hasn't been for a little bit, but when she does my makeup, yeah, she, she kind of yells at me, but she's good at doing it. <laughs> Hilarious. So what has felt different for you when you've gone shopping with her and you've put on the outfits? Have you had some revelations related to that or surprises? Just she'll pick out some things where I'm like, oh, I actually like that. I didn't, okay. expect, I didn't expect to like that. Or especially, you know what she said, which is I'll be like, my boobs are too big or I got this roll in my stomach or yeah. she goes, you know, I actually listen to you. She's like, here you are being down on yourself all the time. And she's like, I hear you. I learn from you. I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, that just gave me goosebumps. That I'm is like, I'm sorry. She's like, stop being so mean to yourself. Wow. She's like, why are you so mean to yourself? Wow. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just look in the mirror and I'm like, I don't like these societal things. Like, but uh -huh. then you know, it's like, you look at it and it's like, yes, I have these roles. I did have two children. It's not an excuse to say that I couldn't exercise more, but embrace it's we've heard this before. It's like, but embrace what your body has done for you. Yes. Embrace getting up every day, embrace the fact that I can walk and that, you know, all these gratitude lists, instead of looking in the mirror and saying, Oh, I have like these bags under my eyes. And now when I smile, I have like these wrinkles. Well, you know what? I'm 54 years old. 
just hit me. That is really funny. <laughs> I remember my mom used to say she was personally against dyeing her hair. And she said, I earned every single one of these gray hairs. <laughs> she was a great example of, of aging gracefully. <laughs> it's true. I just laughed. That's just so hilariously. It's so obviously hilarious. I don't even know how to say it, but it's true. It's like, why are we trying to be a certain age or look something different? And doesn't that just all speak to how we always do feel like we want to fix or change something about ourselves? And I think the power really comes when we truly love and accept ourselves for exactly who we are in this moment. Yes. And it's, it's hard. I don't know. Have you had moments that you can remember thinking about confidence? Have you had, I'm sure you have, but what I would love is for you to bring us into a moment where you've really felt in your zone of genius or where you felt, gosh, I really like the way I look today or in this moment. And that would be a fun thing for us to hear. I mean, I have, I have felt that way. We get these glimpses of those moments, right? It's, yeah. and I'm like trying to think of a particular moment and a particular moment isn't jumping into my head right now to be yeah. honest, but I can yeah. say that there are those glimpses of moments where it's like, ah, but it's, I feel so good or I feel so confident and yes. I love these shoes and these pants actually look really good on me. And mm -hmm. I like this color and my hair, it took a few days for the hairstyle to like grow in, but now it looks really good. And I love these earrings and it's finding those, those moments, which shouldn't just be moments, right? <laughs> they right. shouldn't be like these glimpses, not, I mean, it's not always rainbows and butterflies, but it's having more of the, I feel good. Yes. Because yeah. when you do, then as we know, like we exude, we have more connection and so much more opens up yeah. to us when we are in that space. Um, I don't know. I just felt this need to just, I had a download for a story to share. Um, so I had back in 91, I think it was, I had an artist in residency um, at a clay studio. And in my head, I was like, my worst nightmare is that there's going to be like 15 to 20 people in a circle staring at me, asking me questions. We had to bring our portfolio and da, da, da. Well, there was like 14 people sitting in a circle staring what? at me when I got there. <laughs> so oh my gosh. And I, I got there and I'm like, oh my God. Okay. My nightmare has at the time thinking like my nightmare just like materialized. Like here, they're like firing questions at me about you know why I should be in the space. Da, da, da. I'm turning purple. I'm showing you know my work and answering the questions. Blah blah blah. I left and I was just like, well, I just bombed that. Like that sucked. Yeah. And I got the space. Like I they brought me in. I got a call like a few hours later and was like, we'd love to have you in the space. Da, da, da. So I guess I just bring that up. It's like this perception kind of going back to like how we see it and what, how others see it. Yes. <laughs> we are the hardest on ourselves. Um, nobody cared what color my face was turning. Obviously it didn't affect a decision of being in a space. Um, you know, they chose me for the reasons that they chose me. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just interesting how 
such a waste of time. And that's the thing of, of wanting to teach. It's like in having kids, it's like, I want our kids to learn it at a younger age <laughs> and not have to be 50 to be um, <laughs> still doubting yourself, like to the extent that you do where it's harmful. Yeah. And I love how you brought up the, the moments as well earlier too, just about, yeah, I feel good. I'm wearing this or that. And the, the other thing that strikes me about your story is a, a concept. I like to call it disparity of how like the disparity gap of how we think we're coming across mm. versus how we actually are and how, how fascinating it is that we can have all of these thoughts in our heads and objective reality says something very different. And you may know some of the work that I do is on video with people. And a, a lot of the work actually that I do is on video. So I record them. We, you know, we play it back. Of course, everybody's the first thing people look at is, oh, I hated this. And it's like, no, no, no. It's kind of like what your the mentor person said to you that I actually have some compliments for you or some good things. And I always like to start there because it forces people to almost they're almost surprised when I say, what did you like? And they say, oh, I, I hated how my hands looked or I hated how I, whatever. And, and it's like, well, wait, what did you like? What, what did, what did this person do? Well, let's try to make it objective and say it like that. And that's one of the things I also find really powerful about video coaching is that you see the, the actual reality, but it is so hard sometimes to get out of that, that gap of, yeah, that, that, like, could we at one point, at, could we someday be aligned with how we feel and how we are on the outside? To me, that's, that's my personal goal because for too long I spent, I spent way too much time just having some ideas. Like I, I have to say, I didn't have imposter syndrome syndrome per se as an epidemic in my life. Like I know a lot of people feel that a lot. But for me, I felt like I know I've got good things to share. I should be here. But then this holding back because of what are they going to think and the judgment and all of that. So I'd love to, to go back to, I'd love to ask you, or sorry, any reflections on that? I know. I just want to say your work is so important. I mean, it's so important what you're doing. And I just love everything that you're saying, especially with that capturing people on video and really getting people past the point of all the things that they don't like, but being objective. Yeah. Like, yeah. God, it's everything. It is. And it's so hard. I mean, it's so hard and I'm the same way. I look at myself like, Oh my gosh, I got to fix that and change that. And it's just, it's just crazy. Well, why don't we talk about your book? Because this is well, our book, if I can our say book. That. our book. book, I'm part of the book. You so, are. Part yeah. Of the book. So tell, tell, I mean, well, okay. You start. Cause I'm so excited about it, but I don't want to say it. you start. And then I want to share my perspective on being a part of it. Okay. So love multi-author books. So my publishing house is called express yourself publishing and just passionate about people sharing their stories and having a space and a stage in order to do that. So this is going to reach people all over the world. So the title invisible, no more stepping into the spotlight means so many different things to different, to people. Like it just has different versions. It's some, it's about trauma. Some it's about, you know, um, worthiness. Some it's about 
they they really just kept themselves small um, mm-hmm. for a long time. There's just many reasons. It could be cultural. It could be there's just lots of different stories and takes on it. So it's just about hearing all of these different perspectives and giving people a space to to do that. And please, I want to hear your perspective on it because I'm so <laughs> happy that you're a part of it. I am too. Well, I think it's so funny how these moments, I call them divine moments where I'm hardly even on Facebook. It's like here and there. I mean, I am, but I'm not. It's, it's you know how it is. There's so many groups that, were, <laughs> that you, you, you're inundated with. And to think that I saw your post on Brains Magazine uh, Facebook group. And I'm again, not on there very much. So the fact that I saw it, then we connected and all of a sudden here we are. So when you went the boy, the title, I just immediately connected with that because as I'm a side note, I'm writing my own book right now. And the invisible part was funny because I was writing something the other day and I even asked the question thinking about the question that I had as a child, like, am I, am I, was I just invisible? Because one of my big stories when I was 13 was that I wrote my dad a letter because I thought I can't reach him verbally. What if I wrote him a letter and poured out my heart to him and said, I don't understand why we're not close. What did I do? What can I do better? Of course, I was taking all this ownership as a 13 year old kid and he never opened it. My mom would make the bed every morning, put it back on his pillow. And finally, after two weeks, she couldn't take it anymore. And she opened it herself, which defeated the purpose completely. I didn't want her to feel bad because I'm sure as a mom, seeing your little daughter, who's just desperately trying to connect with a man you don't even really connect with exactly. And I mean, just really that, I don't think I realized how profound that was until very recently, actually, because it really made me wonder, not just does, does my voice matter, but the bigger question that I really believe we're all asking is, do I matter? And I, I don't know, but it was so interesting though, because that whole thing happened for me, that whole thing. I mean, the one trajectory of my life or one thread that has run throughout it all is that little girl wondering, do I matter? Am I good enough? I want to make sure that people like me and I please everybody. Then there's this other thread that, that interestingly enough, my dad hundred percent affected. I mean, my mom too, but he taught me that you can get anything you want with enough persistence, determination, and asking. So I became incredibly confident professionally, Mm. but the problem was I didn't feel at my core that I alone without my professional work, without providing value to people that I was good enough that I had value. And it was my husband, when we were dating that said, cause I started talking about my work and he goes, um, <laughs> you know, that I actually love you just for who you are. Like, I don't really care about your accolades in the workplace. And that was such a powerful moment. So there's a lot of reasons why this book is really important to me, but 
to your point much earlier in our conversation, when you were talking about, it isn't about me. I mean, I just tell us, I'm so grateful we met. I mean, I really just mean that from the bottom of my heart and it isn't about me anymore. It's now I feel like I've gotten to this point where I don't care like I did before. I mean, of course I want people to like me, but I'm not dependent upon that to speak up anymore. And that was such a huge empowering shift for me. That's what really shifted my mindset to go. I want to reach 10 million women. I believe that's possible. And when we all rally together, we can make that happen. And so this collaboration with you is furthering my mission, but I don't care where it happens. Like it doesn't, I don't care if it's me. I just want to reach people and I'm just one person. So if we can reach people to like that title is so powerful and to think if, if that could be out there all over the world, that's, that's one other Avenue to help women be free. And I know it's not just women, but that's more of the population that I serve, but to think about how, how, uh, how we, we live in a lot of these self prisons without even realizing it. And I didn't realize how much I was doing that and how much that crippled me throughout my life, even though professionally, yeah, one would say I was quite successful. I have to say, thank you so much for sharing what you shared and everybody, this is why you're going to have to buy invisible no more <laughs> stepping yeah. into the spotlight when it comes out April 8th, because you have to hear <laughs> Karen's story. But I mean, that is such a freaking powerful story. And Then when your husband addressed that and said, I love you for you, because all of this time you were looking to your dad were acknowledge me. I want to create this connection. Like, do you see me, Karen? Right, right. You see me not being professional, Karen, that I have to do these things in order to then serve others and all the value. But do you see me Mm -hmm. for who I am? And that is so frigging powerful. And it's a light, it's a game changer, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's like when you realize, cause it's like these little moments, again, little moments. It's like, it's these little moments that we realize about ourselves or these little like triggers that we have, or um, there are multiple triggers that I have on things. And I'm like, Hmm, why is that? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I didn't realize that about myself. I didn't realize that I was like seeking this kind of acknowledgement or again, like stemming from worthiness or being good enough. Um, So much of that is like the basis for everybody. Um, And it kind of can show up in a different way. Yeah. um, Where we kind of become smaller or angrier. Oh, that's really powerful. (laughs) And and going back to Skylar, your daughter, I mean, that question, who are you mad at? That's, I don't, I don't know. I'm speechless with that one. She's a pretty smart cookie. I have to say <laughs> it sounds like it. Not because she's just, excuse me for one minute. I have to call. Yeah, go for it. <coughs> Sorry. No problem at all. Um, yeah, I, I don't, it's not just cause she's my daughter. She's, um, she really does like have, and it's just interesting with her because I'll say to her, you have so much confidence. You have so much for your age. And she's like, but I'm not. I'm like, are you serious? Oh, that's that disparity gap, right? I'm like, it is. I'm like, you present 
in such a different way because she's a force. She's okay. kind of like, like her, she's an Aries. <laughs> like she's just like, boom. <laughs> ah, like her voice is loud. Her voice is like, I'm here. Um, and all of this kind of stuff. But yet it is the disparity because she has a different view of herself, which I'm glad she's talking about it now. So then yeah. we can even little things that I have to say, she won't listen to this. So it's okay. But um, like with weight issues, Mm-mm. she's a curvy girl and um, a lot of her friends are tiny. But when we go to the doctor for the longest time, she didn't want to go to the doctor. I'm like, babe, we don't go to the doctor all the time, but you need to get a checkup. Like we need to like get some things done. And, and then she finally broke down. She's like, I don't want to get on the scale. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, okay. Now I'll call the doctor and say, you don't want to be weighed. You get to choose. Yes. That. Amen to that. Absolutely. So I called up the doctor and I'd say she really, it's, it's a, um, it sets her into a depression and um, it's, I, I don't want her weighed mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to be weighed. And they said, okay, we'll put in her chart. Excellent. Oh, I'm so glad they respected that. But I think that's a thing too, with confidence, just for being women, we often get that way of, we stop ourselves from doing things because of, because of weight, because of how we think we look, because of all these things. And they're things that hold us back. Yeah, for sure. Other people I know it's so, and yeah, we think about, you know, we've all heard the stories and we've experienced them ourselves. If you you look at a photo 10 years ago or something, you thought, oh, I thought I was so heavy then. Or I thought, you know, I was so, I didn't like that outfit. Then you look and go, oh, I look so good. <laughs> oh, it's me. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. That's not exactly at all how I thought. Well, we need to wrap up, Hollis. I wanted to ask you if there is an, is, if there, let me back up. Is there a question that I haven't asked you that you would like me to ask? No, I think we covered everything. Okay. Yeah. So tell us where everybody can reach you. Thank you. So this has been so much fun. So thank you, Karen. And thank you everybody for listening. Um, So my website, I am creative philly.com is the best way to reach me. And uh, if you're interested in being in this multi-author book, we have a few spaces left and this baby's going to print like uh, in March. <laughs> so you have a few weeks. Um, you can do this and would love to have a chat with you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been great to talk about self-doubt and more importantly, overcoming it, right? There we go. <laughs> it's a journey. So thank yes, you. Yes, it is. And that's a wrap of another episode of Ignite Your Confidence. I'm your host, Karen Laus. Thank you so much for listening. If you love today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps other people find the podcast faster, and it certainly helps me. If you're interested in more tips and tools around confidence, please join me over in my Facebook group called Ignite Your Confidence with Karen Laus. Remember, you too can stand out with unshakable confidence.